Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We're back with more of the Scores Bears post post game show with Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Wilson to the air here. Rolling out, still on his feet, keeping the play alive, and now he's taken down. Finally finished off by Zach Pickens. We just finished giving a little platitudes to Leo McLaughlin, but he misses completely. Jack on the Sanborn. On Jack Sanborn. In order to be an every down player in the NFL, especially on pass downs, you've got to be able to stick your face into that of a linebacker. Most of those guys are bigger than you, but you cannot let them get to the quarterback. It disrupts any plan this drive started out with. That was the hit of the game. Sponsored by S-Wing Professional Tools. Made in USA for 100 years, S-Wing.com. Anthony Heron here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, this is the Post Post Show. I'm taking you up to Sunday night football coverage between the New York Jets and the Kansas City Chiefs. Who knows? Maybe with Zach Wilson, he'll get a little momentum building until he faces the Denver Broncos next week. This is a very similar path where Wilson faces the Chiefs tonight and then the Broncos next week. I don't know that facing Kansas City is the best way to build up any uh, sort of confidence for a young quarterback, but we'll see how that goes. But you will hear all of that here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. So I'm taking you up to that this evening. And Tyler Butabaugh is on the ones and twos for me this evening, and that is certainly appreciated, as well as Sean Sears. But let's get out to the phone line at 312-644-6767. And you can go ahead and give a call or shoot a text as well. But the listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. We've got callers lined up from, uh, what, stem to stern, I think is the nautical term for it. Let's start with John in Nashville, who apparently had a, a very interesting setup to watch the game that Bears fans might find intriguing. What's happening, John? Hey, how you doing? Yeah, um... I'm in Nashville. I was at a Bears bar, and uh, I watched the game with Jay Cutler. He was throwing his beer. So <laughs> he was throwing was, his beer during, like, while watching what? At what point did he actually throw a beer? No, no, no. He was promoting. Oh, promoting his beer. Okay. I, yeah. I thought you meant maybe he threw a, threw a beer at the TV screen when they didn't convert fourth down or something like that. No, 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 no. But, no, uh, two quick points. Uh, Justin Fields, like, when he threw that deep pass to DJ Moore for the touchdown, it kind of showed me he's progressing on the deep ball. And when he threw that two-yard jump shot to Komet, kind of showed me, like, he's a baller. So I feel like if he had a top offense line, he could be a top 10, top 12 quarterback. But my other point was the coaching. 
that fourth down when they should have kicked the field goal, the play they used was so vanilla that it really bothered everybody watching the game. Not only that, but the end of the first half, when it was fourth and 10 at the Broncos, they could have snapped the ball like 15 to 20 seconds left, and they ran it down to six seconds left, and they had nothing to do but Hail Mary. I just think Eber Plus has to go tomorrow. I'll hang up and listen. All right, this caller out on Fluce, John in Nashville, who was there as Jay Cutler was promoting his beer. Not throwing his beer, but promoting his beer. I thought that would have been a, a fun little story of Jay Cutler was throwing beers at a, a television and a sports bar because of how frustrated he was looking at the way that the Bears were utilizing a mobile quarterback. Uh, let, let's stick, keep the phone lines open here at 312-644-6767. Drew is in Indy, and uh, he's got some thoughts that may be in line with what we just heard towards the end from John in Nashville. Drew, what's happening? Uh, everything's good here except the loss, but, uh, yeah, I completely agree with John. But I, got, I hope you got a lot of listeners right now because Bears Nation, we need your help. I have started a petition on change.org to sell the team. It's called Sell the Chicago Bears for a Brighter Future, Ain't nothing going to get better with this franchise till George McCaskey sells this freaking team. Okay. All right. You're letting folks know what you got out there, Drew. Appreciate the call there. I don't, I don't know that a petition will necessarily do the, do the job to get uh, the McCaskey, the Howes family, to move on from their ownership of the Chicago Bears. They are the original family to own the team, and uh, I would be surprised if they were in a position where they wanted to no longer own one of the charter franchises in the National Football League, regardless of said petition. But who knows? Uh, to each their own, you are certainly – uh, within your full power, uh, Drew, in Indy, to try and get the Bears to do so. Uh, to one of the points that uh, that really, that certainly John in Nashville was attempting to make there about some of the decision-making from Matt Eberflus. I think Eberflus, I find him to be intriguing in this vein because he is a, a defensive coach, and there were certainly a, a number of folks at this station and around town who were concerned about that because you have – a defensive coach who takes over a team with a young quarterback and folks are wanting to see development from Justin Fields. But then you also have not only that first-time head coach in Eberflus, who's been around the block in the NFL, of course, but you also have first-time offensive play caller Luke Getze, first-time general manager Ryan Pohl. So there's all that newness that was brought into Hallis Hall at the same time. A lot of folks who've been having to learn on the job and, and have these experiences in their current roles for the first time. And so the idea of development and the conversation around development tends to be really almost solely focused on players. And I think it gets forgotten too often how much people in leadership positions could use development as well, you know, can benefit from that. And, to me, you know, the, the offensive play calling of Luke Getzey, and I saw some of the reaction even on the, the text line earlier as I was talking about the, the movement of Justin Fields, calling him into movement. And uh, there was a couple of texters who were saying, like, why do we keep talking about moving Justin Fields? And folks are, folks are all over that, and defenses are, are, have gotten a bead on it at this point. I don't know if you watched today's game or not. I presume if you're texting 
the post-post show where I am solely talking about the Chicago Bears, you probably watched the game today. And if, if you didn't yourself notice a difference in that game plan, a difference in the, the amount, the frequency of the pocket moving, the launch point being varied, and the misdirection that was associated with both the Bears' run game and their passing attack, then I, I guess I would urge you to maybe take a second look at it. Or, I mean, you, you can trust me or you can trust Olin Krutz or Patrick Manley or I mean, anybody else who ends up calling in as, you know, Bears experts on this station throughout the week as well. My guy Bo, Matt Bowen, he'll call in and talk to Dan and Lawrence later in the week as well. Th- there was so much variance. There was variation to the way that the Bears operated offensively. And – I think Luke Getze and a variety of people, Matt Eberflus, to me, is an example of of coaches, guys who are, you know, older than the players in leadership positions, you know, tasked with telling the players what to do. Ryan Poles as the general manager, a young man, but in a, a leadership, you know, young for his role, but in a leadership position to make major decisions associated with the Chicago Bears. What you hope for from all these different people, I mean, it's great. To, to live in a world where where everyone who gets a job is is like great at it off the bat. That's not always how this goes. And right now, I think at 0-4, what still needs to be hoped for, what's still worth evaluating is whether or not you're seeing these individuals getting better at their job. And part of that is the the schematics that we all like watch and evaluate in-game, and then the bigger part of a coach's resume is how the players are executing the task that is being deployed for them. So are they actually executing those plays at a high level? Are you seeing effort as they're doing it? And there's been that's been worthy of question multiple times here through the first three games of the season. I feel like today's game, on each side of the ball was the best example that we've seen, and it ends in a loss. Today was the best example we've seen so far of a Bears team that not only at least met the bare minimum standard of seeming engaged and playing with urgency and flying around and, and trying to impose their will on the opponent, just playing with that extra heartbeat that is really required to excel in the NFL that was apparent today, even with all the newness, the youth in that Bears secondary. And, yes, they got carved up at some inopportune times by Denver, by Russell Wilson today, and those big-bodied wide receivers. They took advantage of that in some critical moments in the fourth quarter. But on the whole, it was a squad that looked engaged, and it was an offensive coordinator, an offensive play caller that I, I don't have a good explanation for why we haven't seen more of the style of offense before today that we finally saw deployed at Soldier Field by the Bears offense today, but it's about damn time. And to me, this should be the standard because, you know, again, there's a couple of texters kind of saying, well, everybody figured out moving Justin Fields. I, I don't know what there really is to, like, if you see a certain formation and you think, hey, they're going to run a bootleg here then, yeah, there can be a defender who ends up in Justin Fields' face. We've seen that a couple of times this season. But so there's a counter to that for the offensive portion of things as well. 
But it doesn't mean he's got a uh, – you guys have heard me say this a bunch, and Matt Ryan even referenced it a bit on the broadcast today. It doesn't mean you got to run hard play action where Justin Fields is turning his back to the defense. It doesn't mean he's got to run, you know, fake the stretch zone to one side of the field and turn his back to bootleg deep all the way around to the other side of the field because, yes, there have been a couple of times, and today was one example where he turns his back for a moment and then there's some defender stopping him from getting to the edge. And he has got to keep that ball in his hands or at least possess it long enough for it to be an incompletion, not a forced fumble. That's where he's got to continue to get better in that regard, and him fumbling the football is too big of an issue for a guy at this point in his development in the NFL. So you hope for Justin Fields to continue developing in that regard. But aside from that, the game plan itself, if, you know, again, if you couldn't recognize how different that was, the movement of the pocket, the variance, and there was only there was a, co- a couple of called QB runs early in the game, and then really it was the movement of the passing attack with sprint action, boot action, misdirection, and yes, from the pocket as well. I don't think you have to exclusively – Uh, You can't be successful exclusively throwing the ball from outside the pocket. It condenses the the reads for the quarterback too much. But we did see also development in those scenarios. Like the first caller, John, in Nashville referenced that first touchdown pass to D.J. Moore. Not only the ball itself, because uh, we've certainly seen plenty of examples where Justin Fields is capable of actually throwing that pass even better than that, where D.J. Moore doesn't have to sort of, you know, spin himself around and contort his body. Now, that's a pass he is, of course, more than capable of making. It was, it was a really good pass. It could have been thrown even more precisely. We've seen Justin Fields throw even better passes than that. What I loved about that play and the touchdown pass to Cole Komet, I think it was Cole Komet's first touchdown pass, where you, you saw just Cole Komet running scot-free up the seam. It was the eye discipline. It was manipulating the opposing defense with your eyes, that's graduate-level quarterback play. That's where you have command of everything that's happening on the field, not only what your offensive teammates are doing and what they should be doing and, and making everything, you know, all the, the machinations pre-snap of getting folks moved around and getting them aligned and adjusting the snap count. There's a lot that goes into high-level quarterbacking before the ball even gets snapped, but then – The task is tenfold after the ball gets snapped. And that's where Justin Fields, I thought, was at the highest level I've seen him up to this point as a professional quarterback because there were a number of examples of him moving defenders with his eyes, moving linebackers, moving safeties with his eyes, thus opening up windows for preferred matchups. Or you're trying to figure out, why is Cole Komet so open? It's because Justin Fields moved a safety and a linebacker, keeping his eyes down the pipes, you know, down the down the rails of the field. And then they're thinking, oh, he's going to throw it there, frankly, because part of the film study on Justin Fields has been he's going to stare down a read, and we feel like we can get a bead and a jump on the football. Today's game had a number of examples, and those first two touchdown passes were really great examples of Justin Fields manipulating defenders with his eyes setting up matchups, setting up landmarks that he could try to feed the football to, and he put the ball on the money time and time again. So those are huge signs of growth, and I do hope that we saw what ended up being, in my opinion, the best game from Luke Getze combined 
unsurprisingly, with the best game from Justin Fields. Offensive play caller and quarterback ascending together. Last season, there was about a month where it was so much about calling Justin Fields into some QB run scenarios and seeing that growth. Today, to me, was more pivotal because you called him into movement, and that was great, but the calling Justin Fields into movement was coupled with his growth, his development as a passer, as a reader of the field, as a manipulator of the defense in command of what he's seeing. That's That should be exciting. At 0-4, I don't want to overstate the level of excitement there should be about that. But beyond the stats, beyond the 335 yards and four touchdowns, it was the way that it looked. It was a play caller putting his multidimensional talent at quarterback in positions to stress the defense. Justin Fields doesn't stress the opposing defense from the pocket, not nearly as much as he does when he is on the move. Not only does it stress the defense in second reaction sort of ways. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. You're listening to the Bears post-post game show with Anthony Heron. Uh, we're working on getting Anthony Heron back with you guys here up until 7.15. But in the meantime... Let's listen back to Justin Fields' post-game presser after tonight, today's brutal loss. How are you processing a day that was pretty productive overall that ended the way it did? Yeah. Um, you know, I think overall, I think the offense, you know, we uh, you know, did well. We just got to finish, you know, in the fourth quarter uh, drive. You know, defense held them at the end on a field goal. And- you know, a chance. So, um, you know, I got to be better in that situation. And, um, yeah, we just got to finish. Yeah, so, man, um, you know, safety had uh, depth. So, you know, uh, I expected Cole to kind of go to a spot and sit down because of the safety's depth. But, you know, Cole stuck to the rules and, you know, selling over and breaking out. Um, so, all in all, it's my fault. Um, you know, man coverage, he's supposed to um, do what he did. But, you know, 
I kind of wanted him to just play football and kind of just sit down in space. So that's kind of why I threw it to a spot, how I did. But, um, yeah, it was really just a miscommunication on that one. Kind of freelance, boom, go up there, turn around, sit down, and, of course, move on to the next play. Of course, in that situation, you're in four-down territory right there. So, um, I mean, yeah, just a miscommunication on, you know, me and him, and, you know, it comes down to being my fault at the end of the day. So I got to be better for the team in that situation. And Cole and DJ both said they were okay with the decision to go for it on fourth down. They weren't surprised at all. What was your reaction to going for going on, going for it, and then what was your – thought on the, uh, the actual play call? I mean, if you get it, then the game's over, most likely, you know. Um, you know, got to make them use their timeouts. You're probably getting past a two-minute warning. And then at least, you know, you're kicking a field goal with under a minute left. So I love the decision. Um, it shows, you know, coach has trust in us to convert on that and in that situation. Um, and, you know, we just got to execute. I think there was a miss, missed block backside. That's, you know, why somebody was able to sneak through and tackle Khalil. But, you know, in that situation, that's a tough spot. And, um, you know, as a player, you want your head coach to be able to trust you in that situation. But, like I said, if we would have got it, then y'all be up here talking about how great of a call that was. So, um, just didn't go our way. Missed the block backside. And just got to execute in that situation. Did you give any input, like, that you wanted the ball in your hands? Did you? Yeah, I mean, it was a read option, you know. Uh, it was read option on, at that play in statewide and, you know, got to take him out. He was out of the play. And then, like I said, we just had to run through backer come, come in backside. So, um, uh, yeah, that's what happened. Justin, your only, your only completion in the first half is on a Hail Mary. Can you kind of describe the, the groove that you guys were in through the entire first half to pass the game? Yeah, I think we were in a rhythm, you know. Um, Luke was dialing it up. Um, guys were protecting up front and, uh, you know, the receivers were getting open. So, um, we were definitely in a rhythm, but um, you know, at the end of the day, we lost the game, so it really doesn't matter. Since Chase, uh, Chase Claypool wasn't here today, he's was on He wasn't physically here either. Yeah. Does that matter to you? Um, you know, I called Chase. You know, after whatever happened, and um, I was just checking up on him, make sure he was in good spirits. But um, regarding his comments and everything, um, I don't know if you know they you know are or not. But one thing I do know is everybody in the building is trying to. Um, reach their full potential. Reach their full potential. So, players, coaches, coaches trying to get the most out of every player, and you know, and then us as players, we're trying to get the most out of ourselves and be the best we can. But as far as you know, are you focused on a guy that's here or not during the game? No, not really. Um, you're focused on the game and what's going on. So, can't control that he was here or not. Um, you know, so yeah. Coach, let us know on. Um, I don't, I don't know if it was, I think it was Saturday maybe, Saturday at the team meeting, let everybody know. And um, at that point, it's just next man up. So I think EQ and Tyler did a great job today and, you know, played well. Do you, do you want him on this team? Do I want him on this team? Of course. You know, Chase is a, he's a weapon. He's, uh, he's passionate. And, um, you know, he just has to work on, uh, you know, his display of his emotions. And, you know, me and him have had, Multiple conversations with that, but um, I mean, as far as do I want some on the team? That's a easy, easy answer. Yes, of course. Are you frustrated as a leader of the team by that situation, and given the fact that you specifically have gone to bat for him publicly multiple times? You said am I frustrated? What? With the Chase Claypool situation, when you have been out front in front of the cameras defending him throughout this. 
Uh, I mean, of course, I'm frustrated, and you know, when you know, one of your you know best weapons on the outside is not in the game, but um, it is what it is. You know, coach in the front office, they made the decision, and that's what it is. And, you know, as a player, I can't do anything about it. Got to go go out there with you know the players that I have and um, execute to the best of my ability. So uh, you know, I just try to control what I can control and kind of just stay out of you know. Did they explain why that No, they didn't. You know, and. Um, I think every at the time when everybody found out, everybody was so locked in on preparing and you know getting ready for the game plan. Nobody really asked questions. You know, you know, we just don't ask questions. We just you know focus on the task at hand and you know the game that was coming up. When you on the fumble, when you rolled out, obviously it's a real split second decision. Being kind of played in perfect, but what what can you do to have it not become a turnover? I mean, it's tough because you know the rule on you know boots, naked is no sacks. So. Um, in that situation, of course, you'd rather have a sack uh, than a, a fumble, scoop, and score for a touchdown. So, um, you know, me personally, I turned around. He was right there. I was just trying to, you feel me, dirt the ball, and then it just didn't end up working that way. So, um, you know, um, if I could do anything, is I don't know. I, I don't know if I can really do anything on that one, to be honest with you. But, um, you know. Yeah, I just tried to get the ball out and just kind of make it. I don't know what the down and distance was on that play, but, you know, just make it an incomplete pass and move on to the next play. Congrats, congrats Justin, on breaking a Bears record of 16 straight completions. Two questions for you. In the first half, it seems like you guys are moving the ball, mixing it up a little bit. Then in the second half, you guys started to get a little conservative. Uh, what can you do to counter that? Because it seems like you're more of an improv type of player. Um, you know, stay aggressive. You know, um, I think that we were running the ball well, so I don't, as far as conservative, I don't know if you meaning throwing the ball more or what, but, you know, Khalil, he had a hell of a day on the ground. Um, I think he had over 100 rushing yards, so um, he did his thing. The line was doing the thing, and, uh, you know. with the lead, like, you guys had a big lead. It just seems like you guys were playing just to keep the lead. Just to keep the win? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, I think that's past my prayer grade. You probably got to ask. You know, coach or whoever else, you know, why we did what we did. But, you know, my job is to get the play call and, you know, run the play that was called and execute it to the best of my ability. So, Justin, we saw you more in front of your locker room a little bit longer than usual. What kind of things are going through your head in that moment? And then how do you turn that into a message to the locker room? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, was, it hurt. Um, you know, just come out with, uh, I don't even know how many, just the lead that we had and, you know, we weren't finished it off. I wasn't able to finish it, finish it off. Um, so it, it was, you know, of course it hurt. Um, it's almost like, I don't know, I don't know. It's just, yeah, just the emotions just flowing everywhere. So, yeah. When Justin, you're over four, home four, you're going to get a quick turnaround. What's the message to you guys to get it turned around on Thursday? Keep going. Um, never stop. No matter how hard it gets, never stop. We're playing for each other. I'm playing for each and every guy in that locker room. They know that I'm going to give my all, and you know I know I'm going to give get the same thing back from them. So um, keep going, don't be discouraged, and uh, play every play and every game like it's your last. So that's a message. Thanks, that was Bears quarterback Justin Fields addressing the media after the game today. Career high for Justin Fields, 335 yards in the game. Career high for touchdowns. Bears record 16 consecutive completions, opening up the game. Um, you know, I think it's one of these situations where when when a team loses a game in the end, 
that the offense started hot in the first half, 21 points in the second quarter of that game, another touchdown in the third quarter, and that's it. You know, one step touchdown in the second half of the game. So uh, it's a fair question of, of whether or not the offense got, got conservative or got too conservative in the second half. I, I feel like the answer is no. I, I don't think there's any one approach that you should continue to take if you're having success doing everything. It'd be one thing if Denver had shown an ability coming into the game with the worst rush defense in the National Football League, and then they were just stymieing the Bears' ground attack throughout. They're like, oh, just just air it out because suddenly you have this high-flying passing attack, so just continue to throw it down in and down out. I don't think that would have made sense, and I, I like the fact that the Bears stuck with the run game and really got the run game rolling in the second half of the game. I, I don't know the final numbers, one half versus the other, but it seemed to me to be a, a game that was a Bears offense that was more successful through the air in the first half and more successful on the ground in the second half. And Denver just was able to mount more drives in half number two and, and turn all those drives seemingly, especially in the fourth quarter, into points over and over again. But I didn't necessarily have a big issue with the the conservative nature or thinking the Bears got overly conservative in the second half. But upon a second viewing, you know, maybe I'd feel a little differently about that. But, you know, Khalil Herbert, you know, like Justin Fields said, Khalil Herbert was rolling in the game. He was gaining yards. Now, I was talking with, uh, with Olin and, and Pat Manley about this a little bit in our post-game show that we had on twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score and on The Score's YouTube channel. Just where, you know, the idea that Khalil Herbert seemed like an arm away or an eyelash away a couple of different times from maybe breaking a big run, a long run, maybe turning something into a touchdown, that up to this point is kind of the story of Khalil Herbert's career, too. He's a good football player, good runner. He's had improved hands throughout his career, and I believe he's shown that he is improving as a blocker as well. He's, a, he's becoming a more well-rounded running back. He's not one of these guys that just seems, you know, I don't view him as necessarily being a hiccup away from a touchdown that consistently because that's not what he's shown, in my opinion, up to his career as, as being one of these guys who's just, you know, constantly he gets chunk plays and eventually gets caught. And he even himself said that's one thing he wanted to work on this offseason is turning some of these long runs into touchdowns. But that being said, he was very productive in the second half of the game today. So I didn't, I didn't have any issue at all with him be, becoming a featured part of the offense and you know, factoring in the idea that your passing attack has been really good today, but then how frequently do you want to keep exposing your offensive line to the occasional blitz package that Denver started throwing at you in half number two? Your quarterback, who had likely the game of his career today, but you are still factoring in like is, is he a guy who we want to say let's throw it 50 times with Justin Fields and and he's gonna read the field he's gonna protect the ball well all those things that as a play caller I didn't take issue with that from Luke Getze today so I was I was really pretty much okay with that aspect of how things flowed in the second half but there were just there were critical moments in the game this comes up in the National Football League where you're rarely going to see what you saw from Denver and Miami last week frankly from kansas city and chicago last week where a game is a laugher in the second quarter and nothing else ever happens you know the bears getting a three-score lead i'm retweeting folks like yeah man all right maybe, maybe this is about to be a runaway but there, there's always that thought that notion that this is the bears they're 0-3 for a reason 
and the opponent is an NFL team, and they happen to have a Super Bowl winning quarterback, a likely future Hall of Fame quarterback, and Russell Wilson over there too. And so Denver fought their way back into it, and in the end, they they made those critical plays late that had to happen. So there would be a lot of reaction from throughout the week. And one thing Olin said that really stuck out to me during our postgame coverage was specifically about Chase Claypool because the Bears are so short on on proven commodities on offense and it was a fairly big acquisition that was made where you trade a second round pick for Chase Claypool during the season last year and it ends up being a pick that could have become a first round pick it was a 32nd pick overall most seasons that would be a first rounder so there was legitimate capital that was expended to bring Chase Claypool in here and the hope that he could become a big part of, of what this offense can grow into. And it, it just hadn't gotten out of first gear at all, whether it's been him on the field or off, oft injured. But when he's been active and available, he just hasn't been a, a consistent playmaker for the Bears. And then you also get all the practice fights from the preseason. And now you get comments in, in the public. And it just it seems that Chase Claypool just hasn't he hasn't done anything from a production perspective, from a credibility perspective to to be able to withstand seemingly being a, a distraction, a problem at times. And you know, where Matty Bufus was asked about it, was that a factor in it? What he said the other day, I, I said this this morning with Luke Nelson. I get to a, a break in a moment here. I think if a player who, and Darnell Mooney is not one of the top receivers in football, but there's a level of credibility that Darnell Mooney has built up in that building. You hear it in the way they constantly describe Mooney his professionalism, his work ethic, his focus. If for some reason Darnell Mooney were to come out and say something that could be viewed as perhaps questioning his role in the offense or play calling or something along those lines, you would think they're more likely to work through that with Darnell Mooney because of a level of credibility that he's built up with Bears coaches and Bears players, certainly more so with Bears fans than anything, anything that's been reacted to from Chase Claypool. Claypool just hasn't he hasn't built up that credibility and frankly in his time with the Bears he hasn't made many plays and though where Olin was kind of laughing at that a little bit I definitely got a kick out of it because yeah he, he's gotten a lot of coverage and conversation in this town for a guy who hasn't done a lot as a member of the Chicago Bears yet but you're hoping for more there's so much hope that was sort of thrust into Chase Claypool when they brought him in last season and it just hasn't paid off up to this point so that storyline is not one that's going to go away anytime soon it would seem and who knows man this is just my glasses half full version of it maybe chase claypool getting sat down for a game maybe there, there's still maturity that could happen at some point i'm not necessarily willing to bet on that right now uh, i would certainly bet on a, a football monday so tune in all day monday for reaction to bears versus broncos chuck swirsky will be live overnight from midnight to 5 a.m followed by mully and hall bernstein and holmes and parkinson spiegel throughout your work day so hang with us on a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank and It's Not a Game Illinois.com. All of it can be heard on 670 The Score and the free Odyssey app. And this Wednesday, join 670 The Score at the Circus Sportsbook grand opening from the American Place Casino in Waukegan. Bernstein and Holmes and Parkins and Spiegel will broadcast their shows live from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. The Circus Sports Illinois mobile app has officially launched. So when you download the app, you can bet and fund from anywhere in Illinois. We got a couple of segments to go here, taking you up to Sunday night football coverage on the score. It's going to be the New York Jets hosting the Kansas City Chiefs 
on Sunday Night Football. So we got some time rolling here. Got about another half hour to go. We will get back out to the phone lines at 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. More of your reaction on the way. It's the Post Post Show. I'm Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ninth play of the drive. First down and 10. Fields was looking deep. He's going to take a shot. Downfield, he's got a man more. Is he in? No signal yet. Touchdown, DJ Moore. We're back with more of the Scores Bears post post game show with Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans. Always live on the free Odyssey app. And that play from Justin Fields to DJ Moore, that was Who's Hot and Who's Cold, brought to you by Plumbers 911. Plumbing emergency? Call the plumbing professionals available 24 7 at 1 833 Plum 911. Who's Hot and Who's Cold, brought to you by Plumbers 911. So that was the Who's Hot that was Justin Fields because he threw for a career high 335 yards, only had one incompletion in the first half of the game a career-high four touchdowns, and a franchise record 16 consecutive completions. And the first incompletion was just that Hail Mary that he threw at the end of the first half. So he's certainly who's hot. Who's not? In my opinion, Matt Eberflus, for that fourth down decision late in the game to, to decide to go for that fourth down when there was an opportunity to kick a chip shot field goal to take a lead. Bears could have had the 31-28 to 28 lead. Then you go for the fourth and one. Didn't love the play call so much, but I, I think it was the best day that Luke Getze has had as a Bears play caller. So I'm not going to say he's who's cold after that play call. I think on the whole, Getze was good. Eberflus, though, didn't love him going for that fourth and one when you could have had a chip shot to give your team a three-point lead. Then you put your defense on the field and you hope for the best, and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't work out. But I think because the lead was attainable there, you, you could have taken the lead, that to me, with, with that risk-reward sort of, you know, scenario that you're factoring in, 
I think the opportunity to take the lead, that that means a lot right there. So who's cold? I'll go with Matt Eberflus as we sit here right now. I'll also go back out to the phone lines as we sit here, 312-644-6767. Let's go with uh, uh, Chris and McHenry. Chris and McHenry is out on the hotline right now. Let, let's uh, uh, hear from Chris. What you got? Hey, what's going on? It's uh, Chris, Chris from Everston, actually. Uh, but uh, watching the game today, like I said, definitely passed the eye test. But I feel like this is the best field is going to get. Uh, we went up against a defense. We're celebrating because the guy threw for 300 yards and uh, four touchdowns, one the referee gave him. And uh, the the fact of the matter is these guys' defense stinks. They got their best player, Justin Simmons, wasn't out there. They had no pass rush uh, because uh, – their best pass rusher wasn't out there. They gave up 70 yards last week. And just that's just my opinion. But, but the question I would have is for all of you score experts, which I respect your opinion is, like, honestly, at this point in the season, we got a realistic shot with the two draft picks that we have in the first round. We got Williams out there for USC, and we got Penix, who I love, from Washington. I, I believe both of them are going to be way better uh, future quarterbacks than what we see in fields after three years. That's just my thoughts on it. And uh, I honestly just don't think, you know, we'll find out against Washington on Thursday that D-line is real, but that's just my thoughts on it. And so if, if I'm taking your uh, your question correctly then, Chris, are you basically saying should the Bears try to lose out to get the, the number one pick? Is that what you're asking? Not, not so much about trying to lose out. I mean, you got to go out there. You got to go out there and try to win. There's no question about that. And they put a great game plan today. But I, I judge it on on the fact. I mean, these guys gave up 70 last week. What, what should we have? How many points should we have put up today? How good should we have looked? And the bottom line is, in crunch time, Fields has yet to get it done. It's not last year. He's got weapons, and I'm not taking away anything he did for the first three quarters. The bottom line is, you had two game-changing turnovers with the game on the line. We've seen this for three years. I was watching uh, I was watching the Chargers game while listening to you, and, uh, you know, Justin Herbert got a broken middle finger, it looks like, on his non-throwing hand, and he throws a bomb hitting his receiver in stride in the fourth quarter. I, I just honestly, I, I want Fields to be great. I just don't see the progress I feel we need to see at this point in his career. So I would much rather us not win. Not that I don't want us to go out and try and win. I just I honestly don't feel that the, the two guys at, in college right now are going to be I, I think they're going to be a lot better than Fields. Okay. Yeah, I, I appreciate the call, Chris in Evanston. Not not the uh, Chris and McKinley. Yeah, the I think the quarterbacks coming out of college right now there's going to be guys who are really highly regarded. There's Caleb Williams and then there's the field as far as my evaluation goes right now, but Drake May out of North Carolina. You mentioned the Washington uh, Washington quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. He is also a really talented passer, a lefty, uh, who was at Indiana for a number of years. I'm sure a few of you listeners are likely Hoosiers fans. You saw Michael Penix Jr. during his career there, and he he had trouble staying healthy. He was oft injured, but when he was on the field, he played at a high level for Indiana. It was a big part of why current Hoosiers coach Tom Allen got a big payday after they had a really nice season during the COVID year in 2020. So there's some talented quarterbacks that are going to be coming out this season uh, with Justin Fields. There's still an opportunity here for him this year. So, I mean, there are folks who are understandably who would be out on him. I'm not there yet. 
you know, Luke Nellis asked me about it uh, this morning on Fox Kickoff Sunday, uh, whether or not I thought there was still, you know, something to be something to be earned, something to to be, you know, to grab hold to for this Bears offense. Is there still potential there? And my answer was yes, because I, I do. I'm still a believer in not only the talents, but the work ethic and the the intangibles of Justin Fields. I I feel like that there is still plenty to be salvaged there. And against that Denver defense. 335 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, uh, not everyone's going to score 70 on Denver this year. And they had a pass rush that was doing some things early in the season. They've got some talent in the secondary. Um, But, yeah, I think on the whole, the Bears offense putting up 28 for the Bears offense, it's a very big deal. And it's something to grow from, something to build from. So we'll see. We'll see what it ends up meaning moving forward. But I'm not at the point yet where I – I know some folks are, but I'm not yet at the point where I would say that – the Bears should plan for the next quarterback coming out of college. Let's get one more. Let's sneak another caller in here before we get to the, the bottom of this hour. Robert is in Rockford. Let's get Robert on the line here. What's happening, Robert? Hey, Robert. I'm just calling because, you know, I, that pass rush that we have, we have no pass rush. We lose outside containment. Holt got rid of our best defensive players. And what he replaced it with, they're just not owning up to their responsibilities. And you say that we got a decent secondary. We might, but I haven't seen the coverage from these corners. We just give up too many big plays in the secondary. That's just really what I'm seeing on the defensive end. Nothing in the front, you get nothing in the back. That's just the way I see it. I'll listen and see what you guys got to say about that. I appreciate the call, Robert. I think that it, it's fair to evaluate the, the lack of pass rush because they're healthy up front. That That's the D-line that right, – that, um, that Paul's paid for. Now, the secondary, they're not intact right now. There's no Jalen Johnson on the field today. There's no Eddie Jackson on the field today. There's no Kyler Gordon on the field today. Even the backup nickel, Josh Blackwell, not on the field, injured today. So they're so injured in the secondary that I don't necessarily view that as a you know, a ding on Ryan Poles for what he's acquired there because I do think it's a very talented secondary when at full strength. But when you're down to your third nickel and your your third corner and your backup safety, that's asking a lot of a secondary when you put a bunch of rookies out there and guys who you don't anticipate being the starters. So on the whole, I thought with, with what was there, it was a more conservative game plan coverage-wise. There were a few timely blitzes that were that were used there for Matt Eberflus. But on the whole, there was a lot of off coverage and just sort of counting on being in position to secure tackles against the Broncos, kind of letting them catch the ball in front of them. It was a safe game plan, a bit of a conservative game plan, but I think it suited the personnel that the Bears had on the field today. And, you know, got into the fourth quarter, and Russ started to cook, and they, they couldn't do anything with him. But the D-line, I, I understand and, and agree with the concerns and complaints there because those guys are healthy. They're at full strength. They played a little bit better today. They did impact the pocket, and Russell Wilson was able to extend some plays and kind of give some second reaction life to some of those moments. So the sack numbers aren't impressive from from the Bears' defensive front. But between that and the DBs, I would say there's a bigger problem worth having with the D-line because most of the starting DBs, a lot of the backup DBs, are out at the moment. Take a timeout and come back, and we will take you towards Sunday night football coverage here on The Score. Final time out. This is the Post Post Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 
We're back with more of the Scores Bears post post game show with Anthony Heron on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's home for Bears fans, always live on the free Odyssey app. Taking you up to Sunday Night Football coverage here on The Score. The New York Jets will face the Kansas City Chiefs. We're just minutes away from tossing it to the national coverage there. But I've got a few minutes left with you here on the Post Post Show. I am the aforementioned Anthony Heron. Been appreciating your engagement, your involvement in the show tonight. And what a, a weird game it was today as the Bears lose to the Denver Broncos 28 for the Bears, 31 for the visitors from Denver. And uh, the previous caller we had were Chris and Evanston, and I needed to get to a, a timeout there. But you know, I think all the things that are being said are fair and on Justin Fields' resume. I'm, I'm Captain Context. And so you know, I would say that we, we have seen a number of examples throughout the career of Justin Fields where in these late-game moments where whether it has been you know last season where balls go through Equinemius St. Brown's hands late in the game or Donnell Mooney double catches and ends up out of the end zone late in games against Washington or, you know, my, my fellow Hawkeye, Amir Smith-Marset, where I think that was against uh, Minnesota, where the ball hits him right in the face mask, goes through his hands on fourth down. So, you know, that's not those aren't examples of Justin Fields being the one not coming up with plays as he's putting the ball in spots in critical moments for guys to make plays and and teammates, you know, kind of you know, letting him down for lack of a better term. There were several examples, even in his rookie season with Matt Nagy as his play caller, where he led scoring drives to get the Bears back within a score or to give the Bears a lead. And that veteran and vaunted Bears defense, it wasn't so vaunted uh, during that 2021 season, but whether it was a game against San Francisco, a game against Green Bay, where there's late drives, Pittsburgh, touchdown pass to Mooney. It was like, hey, man. This rookie quarterback has got it. Look at him making plays late in the game. Look at that late game gusto. And then you got a defense that was long in the tooth and for whatever reason just fell apart during that 2021 season that wasn't getting it done. So again, what we're seeing here, like the the late, the fumble and the interception both happening in the fourth quarter, that's on Justin Fields' resume. There's no doubt about that. I'm just, I'm pointing out that there has also been a number of examples of evidence of Justin Fields executing his job as quarterback, as signal caller, as passer of the football in these late game scenarios where he has done his part of the job and the Bears offense, the Bears pass catches were thing haven't come through. Again, I'm not denying that this, these these results are on the resume of Justin Fields, of Luke Getze. There's no doubt about that. You want to see him get to the point where he is leading these late game moments, two points, two scores, two touchdowns. Now, again, there's been a couple of times where he did do that and the defense didn't hold up there into the bargain, but today was certainly one. Between the two, because there have been a, a couple of text reactions about it, honestly, between the two, the fumble versus the interception, a couple of texters earlier were saying that they, they felt like the more egregious one was the fumble. Um, or was the was the interception? I honestly disagree with that. I, I think the the interception was just a pure miscommunication between he and and Cole Komet. And you know, hard to say who actually read it correctly. You're you're making essentially a sight adjustment based off inches of leverage in difference between a defender 
And, you know, Cole Komet, because of the leverage of the defender, where he's viewing it as, as a zone in that moment. So he sits down expecting the football is going to be thrown more towards his back hip as he kind of checks up on the route. Justin Fields reads it a different way and, and throws it where he's anticipating Komet will continue more over the middle of the field. Again, hey, I, I know I'm Mr. You know, rose-colored glasses or whatever here. That, to me, was at least it was a pass that he threw, that Justin Fields threw with timing and anticipation to a spot. You didn't see him holding the football, waiting for a teammate to declare open. He saw it. He trusted it. He let it rip. And that's been the biggest complaint that I've had about Justin Fields at various points, even as impressed as I've been for aspects of, of what he does as a quarterback and what, what his demeanor is like and his intelligence and all these things. But just as far as executing the passing aspects of his job, my biggest complaint has been he's too methodical going through things. I would love to see more anticipation and more trust in letting it rip. I thought that final interception of the game was 100% that. That was him trusting his read and his teammate and letting it rip. And maybe he read the leverage wrong and Cole Komet read it correctly, but I, I at least liked seeing him in that big moment willing to cut the football loose and he put it exactly where he wanted to put it he and his teammate his pass catchers just weren't exactly on the same page there so again i'm you know maybe justin Fields gonna be out of the nfl in a year i'd be very surprised if that's the case but that me is a moment that i actually i i didn't have a big problem with with the execution of the quarterback and frankly not a big issue with the execution of cole Komet. Just one of those things where miscommunications happen there, but that wasn't an example of him being confused or holding the ball too long or commit stumbling over his feet in the route and somebody freaking out. So I don't know, you know, that's just through, through a coaching lens. I think Luke gets, he's looking at that play. He's going to say, yeah, that's, that's one we're, we're going to get right more often than wrong. when We execute it uh, pretty much in that way. We get another caller in before we get out of here. 312-644-6767. Jim in Aurora in North Aurora is on the hotline right now. What's happening, Jim? Oh, we actually lost Jim. We, we lost Jim. He, he ended up hanging up there. Um, do we still have John in Las Vegas? Is John in Las Vegas still out there with us? Hi, guys. Yeah, I'm still here. Um, I My question is, please explain to me, how can we, uh, a 0-3 team, visiting team, come into our house and be favored and then we lose to them. How can that possibly happen? Now, my theory, and this is just my opinion, is because of play selection. We just don't know. You know, the, the coaching does not know what they're doing. We do not know if Justin Fields is the answer. And we are all hoping that he is the quarterback and that can lead us. But because of our bad coaching staff, from the coach all the way down to the offensive coordinator, and we don't even have a defensive coordinator. So, guys, we're, there's so much blame to go around, but it's got to start with the head coach. He's anybody who hires a defensive coach to be their head coach, there's something wrong. A defensive coordinator does not make a good head coach. That's my opinion. I'd like to know what you guys think. 
that, that's an interesting opinion. There's certainly more, there's more teams around the league going to offensive minded, offensive trained head coaches for their opportunities there. But, you know, it's, it's an oversimplification, um, John in Las Vegas to say that no defensive coach can be a, a good head coach. Uh, that that's not what history tells us. It's not what even the current NFL tells us, but because it's become such an offensive driven league and the rules are dictated for offenses to have success. You're seeing more and more guys who cut their teeth on offense, who coach offense, who coach quarterbacks, who call plays on offense. That's where the majority of the head coaching jobs are going now. And it does provide you a level of stability for if one of your coordinators is known as kind of the next big thing, some budding star, then you have to move on and get a different coordinator in there. But if your head coach, whatever side of the ball he specializes in, like for the Bears, I mean, right now, if the defense were better than having a defensive-minded head coach, maybe that'd be a good thing because you lose your D coordinator in, in very odd circumstances. But on offense, yeah, that's that's definitely where the sport is going. But I, I don't view it as uh, as though some defensive coach is, isn't going to be capable of being a quality head coach at any point. I, w- I would very much disagree with that. The The idea that the opponent means that the Bears shouldn't be credited with a better performance today I would caution anyone from doing that as well. We're four games into this thing. Looked awful through three games. They weren't good at anything. I know for me, I was pleased with the fact that the Bears, they looked like there was a couple of things they were good at today. Now you have to sustain it. And by Thursday night, you're going to need to get yourself revved back up to actually execute at a high level again when you're facing the commanders. But at least you come off the field today saying, and you know what? Luke Getze and the Bears quarterback – they seem to be ascending. They ascended against one of the worst defenses in football, but they ascend nonetheless. Now you want to see if you can put back-to-back performances together like that. But you say, this is not only not a Bears rushing attack that you should be super impressed by, a Bears passing attack that was very impressive today. Now it's about stacking performances, preparing for Thursday night, and being ready to not only put up yards and points, but get a dub, it won't be an easy one on the road. But at least you leave the game today saying, you know what? It's not like this team is just bad at everything. Because through the first three games, it was hard to find anything you could say the Bears were legitimately good at. Don't feel like that as you leave Soldier Field today. And that's what you got to hang on to as Bears fans right now. I'm going to hang on to some Sunday night football coverage. Looking forward to that. I'm going to tune in for the Jets and the Chiefs. I hope you do the same right here on the score. Thanks to Tyler Butabaugh and Sean Sears for helping me get through the evening here. And thanks to all of you. Football Monday is on the way tomorrow. It's going to be a Plumbers 911 Football Monday presented by Busey Bank. And it's not a game, Illinois.com. I'll be on with Bernstein and Holmes during their show tomorrow. Make sure you tune in for all the experts and everything that happens right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t 